Welcome to the Healthy Moms Podcast with Katie from wellnessmama.com. Today, Katie interviews Katie Kimball, founder of kitchenstewardship.com. Katie Kimball is a teacher and mom of four kids who eat their vegetables and even help cook them. She is the creator of the Popular Kids Cook Real Food course and author of seven cookbooks. From her experience as a mom who has cooked thousands of real food meals and packed thousands of healthy lunches, Katie blogs to help others achieve balance and be good stewards in four key areas, health, the earth, money, and time. Let's join the two Katies in this episode as they share baby steps and helpful tips for eating real food and living naturally. Katie, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, other Katie. I always love talking with you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is going to be so fun. And especially because I feel like you're such an amazing resource and your blog, Kitchen Stewardship, is an incredible online resource, especially for moms. And especially you have so many good budget-friendly tips and just preparing real food with real life time and um, budget. So I I can't wait to dive in. And I know a lot of people listening maybe are wanting to switch to a healthier lifestyle or are starting to try to make those steps and maybe are overwhelmed. And I know you and I both, this has been a journey for us and certainly we didn't do it in a day. So what are some of your best baby steps for switching to real food? Absolutely. It's a good place to start. And I think I mean, that's what I try to build kitchen stewardship around is I described it yesterday in a talk as helping moms not let their heads explode when they look at all the things they want to change. Um, So you have to start. I mean, the first step is to just give yourself some grace. No one is perfect. And and I think the the mental attitude is going to make or break any attempt that you have. And so if your mental attitude is, oh, my goodness, I need to change everything, include it in my life and do it all you're like 90% sure you're going to fail. You're setting yourself up for failure. And so and so I think baby steps is, I mean, that's the first baby step is baby steps. It sounds kind of silly, but it's so true that the mental attitude and how you approach things is really important. And then, and then I would say to kind of examine your life and your day and your food and your eating ha- habits and stuff and look for something that would be um, minimal effort, maximum impact. So something that's not going to overwhelm you with this one step that just takes, you know, not very much time and not very much effort. And, but yet is something that's going to impact your family every day, right? Like if you eat pizza once a month, well, pizza is not the first thing you should make over because you're not going to feel that success often enough, you know, but if you eat cereal every single morning for breakfast, you know, maybe breakfast is something that you can tackle, or maybe you just say, you know, twice a week, Twice a week, we're not going to eat cereal. We're going to make homemade meals, and I'm just going to kind of batch plan it and figure out, you know, something we can do instead of cereal. And then twice a week, you know, you're kind of, you can get a routine. You can practice it. You can see and kind of feel the results. Not even any. There may not be physical results when I say feel, but just feel the accomplishment. You know, so it's got to be something, and then give yourself that success, and then do something else, right? And some other things. So, so that's not a you know that's that's kind of a philosophical baby step, but, but it's, it's about, you know, for every person, it'll be different, whether it's switching out, you know, one processed food that you buy to homemade or, you know, going organic on just 
lettuce because salad is something that you eat every day. Um, and then up that game to making homemade dressings. Um, so just just one thing at a time and, and trying to make sure that you keep yourself balanced, that it's not something that's going to take a ton of your time and not something that's going to completely like max out your budget either. It's just finding that balance. That's That's always what I try to do at Kitchen Stewardship. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'd love to know, just give the listeners an idea of what a typical day looks like for you, because you are obviously a mom of four, but you also run a blog. So you kind of toe that line between stay-at-home mom and working mom, and you're probably juggling both of those jobs. So can you give us an idea of what a typical day looks like for you, both with your food prep and your healthier lifestyle? There is so no typical day. Like I kind of laughed when I read that question that you sent over because there's no good answer. There's no typical day. Um, but it, there is a lot. I mean, there's a lot to balance. My uh, my good friend just said to me, you know, I keep thinking of you as a stay-at-home mom because you're home. But like you're totally not. Like you're working, you know, many, many hours a week. Like you really are a working mom, but you're home. So it's kind of weird. And I said, yeah, that's kind of how I feel too. <laughs> like it is kind of weird. Um, so I'm, I'm home, I'm here for my kids, but I spend way too much time sitting on my behind in front of the computer. <laughs> that needs to change. I need to get a standing desk. Um, but as far as food prep, um, I thought my first thought was, well, I, I spend at least an hour or two in the kitchen every day between prep, eating and cleaning up. And then I'm like, oh, no, because we eat three times. No, that's got to be more like three or four hours. That's probably why I always feel like my to-do lists are never getting done. Um, because it does, you know, there's no bones about it. Like, you cannot do real food in five minutes a day. Forget it. You just can't. Unless, unless you have a lot of money to pay someone else to do it for you. It's not going to happen for me. Um, so for us, every, every breakfast, except for we have once a week cereal day, which is just for fun, um, it's kind of the 80-20 lifestyle thing, but other, the other six days for breakfast, we were making something homemade, whether it's um, like a make-ahead, some sort of healthy quick bread type thing that I've made, or a simple, simple oatmeal. We do a lot of just quick egg hashes or eggs with, um, well, I love making pancakes. Like once a week, we'll spend like an hour making pancakes, and then they la- you know we have leftovers for another day, throw an egg in with that not in on it, but <laughs> next to it, you know, and so we have a little bit of, bit of a balanced breakfast, but that definitely takes some time. Um, lunches are almost always leftovers from the night before, plus homemade yogurt, like homemade yogurt's definitely a staple for us that we just, it's nice to have one thing that we can just, yep, what's for lunch? Okay, well, we got yogurt for starters, and then I'll think about, you know, what else the refrigerator is going to spit out at us. Um, and then dinners are pretty much always homemade. Like if we have leftovers, that's great. Like that's a break for me, but otherwise... There's there's something to do homemade. Like people talk about a half hour meal and I'm like, a half hour? Wow, like that's a really that'd be a really good day for me because I spend at least ten minutes just cutting up the raw vegetables that we dip in our homemade ranch and eat. Um which is why I pull my kids in and get them to help because it just became almost impossible to to keep up on all that. Um and then there's dishes. <laughs> there's there's always dishes somewhere in the sink and the dishwasher drying in the dry rack. Um, so that was kind of a, that's not a very fun perspective, but it's worth it. I mean, it's definitely worth it. But again, there's just no, there's no denying that it takes time. Um, you know, every night I have to check my meal plan and see what I need to prep for the next day. And some mornings I wake up and go, oops, I forgot to prep something. <laughs> now I need to tweak, you know, I can't do the slow cooker meal. Maybe I can do the same thing in the instant pot, which has been saving me lately. Um, 
So it's, I, you know, I think about food. I have to think about food all day because it's like, what's, okay, we finished this meal. They're going to be hungry in three hours. What am, what's next? <laughs> you know, exactly. and what do, I, what do I need to do to make sure that the next meal is, is possible? Um, but we don't have a lot of, we don't have options sitting around in our house. Like I don't buy a lot of junk food or processed food. So if I feel lazy and I don't want to jump through hoops to make real food, it's like, it's kind of like too bad. I don't give myself backups, which is, which is kind of my insurance plan, right? If I had a bunch of frozen pizzas in the freezer, I'd probably make use of them on a long day, which all days feel long, you know? So I just don't, I just don't have them. So it's like, well, you know, my cheat meal might be scrambled eggs or gluten-free pasta with roast or uh, ground beef that I've already cooked in the freezer and a jar of organic spaghetti sauce. Like if that's a cheat meal that we're still doing pretty well, <laughs> you know, that's still real food. So generally I feel pretty good about that, but it's a, it's an all day, it's an all day mental kind of thing. I definitely understand where you're coming from on that. And I love the tip about eating leftovers for lunch. We do that a lot also because I feel like that's a hard meal if you make the switch from processed food and you're not buying just loaves of pre-made bread and sandwich meats and the normal lunch fare. It's a harder switch than people realize. Um, Mm -hmm. And the same with breakfast. So we don't really do cereal either. And so sometimes we'll do leftovers for breakfast and that does definitely help. So I know um, you probably do this too. I'll try to make ahead at least enough that I know I will have leftovers and then serve that for breakfast or lunch. But I also can sympathize on the whole. There's no, there's no quick option. So if I, if I slip up and don't look at the meal plan and let it get to five o'clock at night, I may not have anything for dinner and we may be eating something like you said, frozen spaghetti out of the freezer an hour later when I can defrost it. Um, but the instant pot has saved my butt too a lot recently. For sure. I think our cheat lunch, if I don't have any like leftovers for lunch or we're like, oh my gosh, we have to leave for preschool drop off in 15 minutes. It's sliced cheese, gluten-free crackers, frozen peas, and that yogurt and frozen fruit always saves us. So, you know, the gluten-free crackers are processed, but they're acceptable ingredients. So I feel like, again, for a cheat meal, we're still doing pretty well. And really, I love that you follow the 80-20 principle too, because I feel like you can also make yourself so crazy with trying to be 100% perfect with diet that you undo the benefits of having that perfect diet to begin with. Um, And you mentioned yogurt, which you have some great resources for making, and I'll make sure to link to those. Um, What are some other staple foods in your kitchen? Obviously, homemade yogurt's a big one. What are some other foods that you guys always just keep on hand or that you'll prepare very often? Yeah, we have, um, we eat a lot of soup. So chicken stock is always in the freezer and often in the fridge. And I, I think I default to soup, not necessarily because we love soup, but because it, it's so easy to make a big pot and have multiple meals of leftovers. Like we were just talking, like there's, it's guaranteed leftovers if I make soup. So we have it. And plus, I mean, bone broth is so healthy. So it's like win-win on the soup. Um, so we, and we end up with a lot of soup, which drives my kids nuts when they're like between the ages of three and five, they all go through this, I hate soup phase. And they're like, soup, no. And I'm like, no, sorry. Like you're a Kimbo. You're stuck with us. Um, and then as far as like in the cupboard, we have um, a lot of, we make sure we have nuts and dried fruit on hand and cheese and stuff like that for those moments. You know, what what's for snack, mom? Well, we have nuts, we have dried fruit, we have cheese. There's always whole fruit around that kids can grab. Um, I, I can't say I have a lot of things that we make homemade that we always have around other than chicken stock and yogurt. Um, but it's fairly common to have something homemade. It just switches up, you know, the homemade muffins in the freezer or something like that. Um, the busier I get, 
definitely the less I actually make and the more I hand out the ingredients. So here's some cut celery. You know where the peanut butter is. You know where the raisins are. Ants on a log is your snack today, you know. So I didn't have to make that and wash the food processor and or, you know, wash a pan or whatever. Um, but there's always, there's always something to eat. <laughs> I feel like I, I always tell my kids, I'm like, we may not have 20 choices and the choices might be the same 10 days in a row, but we don't starve. We, there's always food here. <laughs> exactly. We kind of do the same thing. We don't do snacks very often. Um, I try to feed the kids enough at meals that they stay full for a little while, but at least once a day, especially with the boys when they're growing. It's like, mom, I'm hungry. What can I have? And so I always have this refrain of like, there's carrots, there's celery, there's cucumber in the fridge. You can put nut butters on those or find some protein. Um, but I'm definitely like you. I'm not going to go make a full meal because they're hungry for a snack. No, you just can't. No, it's, yeah. especially with us, we would be short order cooks and spend our whole day making special request snacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have a lot of smoothies too. I should say that. I think my, my Gabe had like, four helpings of smoothie this morning. And I thought, okay, I got to cut you off now, but I'm glad you liked the smoothie. So that's a good one for a snack or a lunch or dinner. (laughs) Yeah. Those bad days. Do you put the yogurt in the smoothies as well for the probiotics? I do. Yeah. I'll use, I'll use the homemade yogurt. Um, especially like if I have a a rough batch, that's a little runny, then we have lots of smoothies that week. Um, (laughs) Or if I strain it to thicken it up a little bit, then the whey goes in the smoothie. Um, and I always have frozen fruit. Like we pick strawberries and blueberries in the summer as much as we possibly can stuff in the freezer. And so like this morning smoothie had frozen bananas and frozen strawberries. Um, and then a number of random things, like we add kelp powder for the iodine and probiotics and collagen. Um, and just kind of, it's a way to just cram a bunch of nutrition in there and some greens usually. Yeah, and kids really do seem to, to like smoothies. I feel like I can sneak in a lot in smoothies and get away with it. Um, and I don't know if you guys have it where you live, but I'll share this tip for readers. Is um, There's a co-op called Azure Standard, and I think that's the website, azurestandard.com. And they also have organic frozen fruit in bulk. So when we run out of our summer stock up of fruit, I'll order from them. And I think it's like you can get 10 pounds of frozen berries for usually like in 20 to $30 range. So it's a it that's been a savior for smoothies for us. So if anybody has that in their area, I think the website is azurestandard.com and you can look up if they it's a like a co-op with a truck that they drop off. And so I'll leave that in the show notes as well, but I love the having frozen fruit on hand for smoothies. Definitely saves time for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you can buy as far as budget-wise the red tape bananas like when the bananas are already going bad um so we'll get those and then just peel them and break them in half and kind of freeze them in one flat layer in a big gallon bag and then i just kind of crack them apart when i throw them in the smoothie so that's good because the banana kind of makes the smoothie that always adds the sweetness that can cover everything else that we've put in there yeah definitely um another thing i actually was going to call and just talk to you about your experience as a friend but we can just do it on the podcast instead um you mentioned that you guys recently did a whole 30 you and your husband and i know this has gotten really popular lately the idea of the whole 30 so Mm -hmm. can you explain what that is and what your experience was sure so the whole 30 the diet is intended to remove food groups that can promote inflammation so you remove all grains, all dairy, all legumes, and all sweeteners, um, including stevia and, and non-calorie sweeteners, because the another kind of arm of the Whole30 or intent of the Whole30 is to, is to smash your cravings. 
So not only do you cut grains, but you also cut any baking. So like any grain-free baking, even if all the ingredients are Whole30 approved, you're not supposed to bake because that that act of baking and smelling the things baking can like trigger, supposedly trigger your cravings and kind of keep those up. So for 30 days, which is, you know, enough, the number of days that you need to really make something a habit for 30 days, you, you get, you do no craving. So you don't do like, like junk food, like chips, even again, even if all the ingredients are whole whole 30 compliant, you're not supposed to have things like chips and kind of all those things where like, once you start eating them, you can't stop those addictive things. You're supposed to cut all those out, cut out all, again, sweeteners just to tell your tongue, like, you don't need this. You don't need all this, all this sweet stuff. Let's, let's, you know, back your, your palate off of sweet and teach it to find the natural sweetness and things like fruits and roasted vegetables, um, caramelized onions, stuff like that. Things that with, with our, you know, our kind of American tongues, we don't even notice the sweetness in those things. Um, so it, the Whole30 tends to help a lot of people lose weight without being hungry because there's no quantity restrictions, which is really nice. Um, we actually had two of our friends did it with, with my husband. Um, I didn't do the whole thing. Like I didn't cut dairy because I, I just, I don't know. I just couldn't, I can't do it. I'm still nursing and I, I need my yogurt and my cheese. Um, but I did cut grains and sweeteners. Um, so for me, it's still a very good reset. We kind of, we try to do this once a year and kind of call it, it's a it's really good reset of our gut. It's a reset of our palate and of our habits. Um, last year, when my husband did a successful Whole30, he ended up not going back to any sort of candy at all because he, he kind of has learned about himself that it, it's all or none. So if he would have candy sometimes, it's too hard to figure out when should be sometimes and when should be not. And so he didn't have any candy until my mother-in-law brought over a big bag of his favorites for Halloween. And I was like, really? Do you not know he hasn't had candy in eight months? Um, thank you very much. So that unfortunately started the downward slide through the holiday season and once it came to January, he was like, oh my gosh, like I'm totally noshing on candy all the time again. I have to do another Whole30. So for him, it really works to break the cravings. Definitely, definitely promotes weight loss for him, I think, in a healthy way. And again, he's, he's never hungry because you can still have nuts and dried fruit. Um, and what I love about it is, number one, it forces me to meal plan because there is no grab a box of gluten-free spaghetti from the cupboard you know, you can't even add rice to the meal when you have like a meal where you're thinking, oh, we kind of need one more thing. Let's throw in some rice or whatever. There's, there is none of that. You have to, I need one more thing. Let's cut some Brussels sprouts. <laughs> like, so I, I end up meal planning a lot better because you have to. And, um, and I end up buying way more vegetables because instead of a meat and a grain and a veggie, maybe at a meal, it's a meat and a veggie and a veggie and a veggie. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we we diversify our veggies a lot. I get I always get back into parsnips and rutabaga and fennel and bok choy and a lot of things that I I kind of after the farmers market ends in the summer when we go into fall I get a little boring on my veggies and I end up with just a lot of like frozen broccoli and green beans and peas because they're easy and I don't have to worry about you know, the perishableness and using them in time and everything. So then we get around to February or so, or we'll do a whole 30. And then I'm like, okay, let's, let's plan this better. I can get the veggies, what, you know, and plan them out. And so for me, I love it. I end up roasting a lot of veggies and playing with spices and um, it really stretches my, stretches my diversification of our meals. It's great. 
Yeah, we've done one in the past too. And I noticed that as well, just the focus on vegetables, which is nice because like you said, you can eat as much as you want. And when you're eating Brussels sprouts and cabbage, it's not a big deal. You can truly eat as much as you want. Um, and I feel like even though I've never put our kids on a Whole30 because they pretty much eat grain-free and only like raw fermented dairy anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just feel like even with them, I focus more on vegetables when I'm doing the meal planning for, for that kind of a focus. Um, and speaking of meal planning, you have an awesome ebook called Better Than a Box, and it's basically real food alternatives to pantry staples. So can we talk about that, how you created these alternatives and what are some of the most popular recipes in that ebook? Yes, this book was fun. It was a very long process and a labor of love for sure. Um, and it goes, it goes beyond just the pantry staples, but into how you use them. So thinking of a box like a box of stovetop stuffing that someone might use to make another recipe. What, what I started noticing is that a lot of the recipes that I used to use before I switched to real food would be, they were homemade. It took time to make them and, and you know, they were a recipe with multiple ingredients, but some of the ingredients themselves would be processed, like a can of cream of mushroom soup or like that box of stovetop stuffing or something. And I think a lot of people run into that where their favorite recipes you know, that do, they, it kind of feels like real food because you're making it and it's homemade, but then you're looking and you're like, wait a minute, like this isn't real food. This doesn't count. That stinks. What can I do? So I wanted to teach people how to remake those kinds of recipes, taking out the processed foods and being able to make those like parts, those ingredients from scratch. Um, So again, so it's a little bit beyond just like the pantry staples, but how to mix them together and, and how to kind of re, I call it reverse engineering a recipe. Um, so I actually asked readers to send in their favorites that fit that criteria, their favorite, you know, you get a lot of casseroles, um, a lot of things with cream of whatever, soups, um, and some desserts that included stuff like pudding mix, you know, and they're like, oh, it's all like all these, you know, seven ingredients, six of them are real food and then pudding mix. But I love this dessert. It's so good. And I can use succinate or whatever, honey as a sweetener, but I can't figure out how to get rid of this pudding mix with its like... 20 unidentifiable ingredients. Um, So that's what I set out to do. I set out to figure out how to replace things in recipes. And so we, um, so there's a lot of casseroles in there and a couple different methods to make the cream of whatever soups. And that's kind of, I mean, that's definitely kind of the, the pinnacle of it is for people to help people get rid of that particular product because it's such a reliant, something that people really rely on. Um, for their kind of family-friendly, home-style recipes that that their palates love. Um, And then I was able to get rid of Velveeta, which is another common ingredient in your casseroles, you know, that creaminess of the cheese. It, it It doesn't really work to just throw in shredded cheddar. Because you lose the creaminess, so you have to uh, you have to do some stuff with like cottage cheese and some other little tricks to to add the creaminess. Um, but I was so then I would remake the recipe and I'd send it back to the original person who sent me their recipe, and so it was like a huge test because they would have to you know they'd make it and give it to their family who loved the original recipe, and I'd be like on pins and needles like how's it going to go? Is it you know is it going to be okay? Are they going to hate it and say oh like this is totally not like the original? But it was really edifying because most of them like some of them I'd fail, but most of them the people would come back and be like I can't even believe it. My kids ate it and they loved it. My husband said it was better than the original, and I was like yes score. So that's what we did. And it's a massive book. It's like 200 pages. Um, and so it, 
it not only has those recipes ready to go, but the first like 80 pages are kind of teaching the process of how to reverse engineer stuff so that people have the skills to take their own family favorites and remake them for Whole Foods. That's awesome. Yeah. I, even I know I make a lot of meals for friends when they have babies. And so many of the classic meals for that rely on cream of mushroom or cream of celery or cream of some kind of soup. And mm-hmm. so I love that you have such easy switches for all of those. Um, and I'll make sure to definitely include a link to that ebook in the show notes because you do have some amazing recipes in it. Um, and thank you so much for your time and being here today. I can't wait till our next episode. We're going to talk about real food shopping tips and tricks, which you have so many great tips and tricks to share. Um, so please, I hope everyone will join us again next time for that. And thank you so much, Katie, for being here. Fantastic. Thank you too, Katie. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Healthy Moms podcast. We hope you'll join us again next week. Don't forget to get your free library of resources by going to wellnessmama.com forward slash podcast. In the show notes of this episode, you'll also find out how to get access to Katie's three video series of kitchen skills for kids and find out more about her kids cook real food course. Thanks again for listening and have a healthy week.